Okay, well, morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. I wonder if you've ever been on an epic journey, you know, the kind of journey that, you know, takes you hours and hours to travel, you know, across continents, the kind of planes, trains, automobiles. Anybody ever seen that film with John Candy? Those kind of, or the kind of epic journey where you just have to overcome obstacles to get somewhere. The most epic journey I think I ever went on was uh, with my, myself and my wife, Sarah. Before we had kids, we went to India. I had worked in India before then, and we went back together, and we got on a train in Cochin in Kerala. Anybody ever been to Kerala? And we got off the train in Delhi 52 hours later. Okay? You need a shower after that kind of journey in India. In fact, you need a shower after about five minutes of that kind of journey in India. That's probably the most epic journey I think I've ever been on. As a kid, I've loved... As growing up, I've always loved reading stories of people going on kind of like adventurous journeys who overcome huge obstacles. So I remember reading the story of Che Blythe. Have you ever heard of Che Blythe? He rode across the Atlantic in 1966 with one other guy in a boat which was 20 feet long. It looks like one of the kind of rowing boats you hire on a boating lake. That's what it looks like. And they rode across the Atlantic for 90 days and made it from America back to Britain. So I remember reading that story. I remember reading the story of Shackleton and his uh, attempt to get across the Antarctic, which was failed in the Endurance, and the story of his escape from the Endurance and all his men's escape eventually to South Georgia Whaling Station, and no one is lost. It's this incredible story of survival and journeying. I remember reading the story. Just this year, I read Bear Grylls' story uh, of climbing Everest when he was 23 years old, which is a great read if you get a chance to read it. In every story you read like that, Every epic journey you will read, whilst there are kind of normal mundane days where they just have to keep going, there are days, stand-out days, if you like, which everything else kind of hinge on. Either they, they stand for like a significant moment or they are hinge moments on which the success of everything you're hoping for hinges on the decisions you make on that day. They are red-letter days. They are stand-out days. Well, what you have witnessed today for three people, is like a standout day. Okay? Much of the Christian life is like a journey. In fact, we talk around here about a spiritual journey. That sometimes we begin the journey far away from God. In fact, all of us begin far away from God. But some of us begin with no sense with God's not even real. I don't believe he's real and I don't like the idea of him. And sometimes we go on this journey to a point where we think, actually, I think he is real. And in fact, I think he's not just real but good. And we go on this journey. And what you've witnessed today is one of the critical days in someone's spiritual journey. So I want to talk for the next 25 minutes or so about what we have just seen. What we've just seen when we see people baptized, because you get different responses to baptism, don't you? For some of us who are not used to church, baptism just looks plain weird. Don't you think? Like, whenever, where else do you go, for a start, where people stand up and sing songs and clap and do things like that? But where else do you go where people fully clothed get into a big bath in front of other people and everyone claps? That doesn't, it's not what you normally see, you know, down near the big cat in the middle of Catford, is it? It's not a normal thing. Others of us, we're very familiar with what we've just seen. We're, we're used to church. We may have seen this many, many times. But the truth, and you may even be a believer, but you've never been baptized And sometimes there are all sorts of reasons for that. Sometimes that's to do with our church background, my own background. Didn't baptize people like this. It was like we sprinkled children. And I had to come to a point of conviction myself that actually I think I should be baptized. 
And some of us were just confused. What, you know, why should I be baptized? What is baptism really all about? You know, why should I do this? So I want to spend the first next 25 minutes talking a little bit about that. And I want to start, if you like, by just talking about two passages, one near the start of Matthew and one right near the end of Matthew. Matthew is one of the Gospels. There are four Gospels in the Bible, really accounts of Jesus' life. So we're going to go to Matthew 3. It's going to come up on the screen. And this is the account, in fact, of Jesus' own baptism. And this is what is happening. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John, this is John the Baptist, tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now, fast forward right to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, okay? Just before Jesus ascends into heaven, this is what happens. Matthew 28, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing I want you to note. The very first thing that happens in the start of Jesus' earthly ministry is what? He gets baptized. Now, he doesn't get baptized for the same reasons that you and I get baptized, but he is baptized right at the beginning of his ministry. What is the last thing that happens at the end of his earthly ministry? He says to his disciples, go and baptize people. It's the start and it's the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. The last thing you say to someone often signifies things that are important to you, right? Okay, so for those of you who have children, may who have grown up or are growing up, and you've got to that point where you leave them at home alone. You know that moment where you close the door and you think, will this building still be here when I come back? That kind of moment. You know, as you close the door, as you're beginning to close the door, you tend to, you know, Shout out a few last instructions, don't you? Things like, don't forget to turn the cook off. Yeah? Lock the front door when you go out. Please let the dog back in the house. Don't set fire to the lounge again. Things like that. Okay? What you say right at the end tends to communicate what you think is important. I, as a student, I live with a friend of mine, Rich, and he was particularly... Uh, less say fair when it came to domestic issues. So I remember one day coming back to our house and finding that the grill that he had on at breakfast time had been on all day. It was the warmest our student house had been ever for the rest of those three years. Okay? I remember another time when I came back to the house and the front door had been left open all day. Anybody else in this room want to confess to leaving the front door open all day? Yes, thank you. Two hands. That's the Three hands, I can see. This is like the response time. We're going to do that at the end. What you say at the end is often the expression of the things that you think are significant. And Jesus, right at the end, having been baptized himself at the start, says, baptize people. Go and baptize people. Be baptized. It's a command in the Bible. It is a critical moment, a stand-out moment in the journey of a believer. And I want to explain it to you in three 
different ways why it's so important. I want to talk about the symbol. I want to talk about the sign and the step. You see, baptism is important for us because it symbolizes so much of what it means to be a believer. It symbolizes lots of things, but two quick things. Here's, it symbolizes powerfully the opportunity of forgiveness that the gospel grants us, that Jesus gives us. That forgiveness is possible, that getting free from guilt is possible, that starting again, really starting again, is possible. That we can get clean. Now, we have a dog in our household, and she's very sweet. She tends to run off a lot and occasionally comes back to say hello to us. But she has this really frustrating habit because she gets really hot. And because she gets really hot, she will run and find anything to lie down in to cool down, okay? And she's, she's like quite a light color, pale color. So li- literally, we wouldn't go to any part. It could be the middle of a drought, okay? And it hasn't rained for months. She will still find the muddiest pool possible. She'll search for hours and lie down in it. And she comes back like half pale, half mud. And you can see people in the rest of the park laughing at her. She just loves, she's attracted to mud. I think she's probably half pig. My wife loves it when she does this. Well, our story is a bit like that. We are, if you like, attracted to unclean things. We say things, do things, think things. And no matter how much we might try to stop ourselves, we disappoint ourselves. We gravitate, if you like, towards the mud, the unclean things. And because of this, because of our natural tendency to gravitate towards the things which are unclean, the Bible says it stops us from having the very thing we need most, which is to know him and to know God and to live in harmony with him and to live our lives orbited around him. We can't have that because we're unclean. It's a terrible thing to carry shame and guilt, but it's an amazing thing to feel free of it, to literally know forgiveness. And Jesus says, come to me, I can clean you. I'll clean you. I can wash it away. The psalmist says that he can wash it away as far as the east is from the west, completely away. You don't have to carry it. And baptism symbolizes total cleansing. That's one of the reasons why we completely immerse people, because it symbolizes totality. It's completely gone. That's what it's about. It's not partly gone. Maybe I'm a bit clean. Maybe God kind of... No, totally clean. It symbolizes being clean. It symbolizes also the issue of death. Now, this is a bit of a weird picture and concept for us, so bear with me. Baptism reminds us of Jesus' death, that we don't get clean without his sacrifice. We don't get to get forgiven without his death. There was a cost, if you like, a debt for our uncleanness. And baptism reminds us that that uncleanness is carried by him on the cross. In other words, Jesus says, I'll take it. I can take your guilt. I can take your shame. I can take the penalty. I can take everything that should be yours. I can take it. And Jesus takes it on the cross. We don't get clean unless he dies on the cross. That's what happens. But it's more than that, actually. Baptism symbolizes death actually in a deeper level even than that. It symbolizes that something of ourselves die when we come to Jesus. We often talk about Christianity being about new life, and it is about new life, but it is also about a death. 
And baptism, the pool, is a symbol of a burial, of a tomb. Jesus enters a tomb. We enter a tomb. In fact, in Romans 6, it says this. It's a bit of a strange passage if you don't understand it, but it says this. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? What it means is this. When you give your life to Jesus, you are connected to him. If you get to the point on this spiritual journey where you think, not only is God real, but he's good, and I believe Jesus is all that he says is, and you give your life to him, at that point, something dies of your old life. You are connected to him, to a union. You are spiritually connected to Jesus. And as that union happens with Jesus, something of your old life dies. That addiction to trying to find the muddiest pool to lie down in, that part of you dies. Your old life dies. In other words, when you become a Christian, you're not just cleansed, but you're changed. You don't just get cleaned and forgiven, but Jesus starts to do a radical new thing in your life. That's why Paul in Galatians says, I have been crucified with Christ. He hadn't been crucified with him on a cross. He's saying, something of my old life has died. I am not the same person I used to be. See, it's all very well, isn't it, getting forgiven for like all my muck. But if I'm just forgiven, I'm just going to go back and find the muddiest pool again, aren't I? When you come to him, when you give your life to him, the Bible says something of your old life dies. Something goes. That addiction to want to lie down in the filthiest places goes. It's a burial. It symbolizes something of death. So it symbolizes for us. But baptism is not just a symbol. It's a sign. I don't know if you've ever been you know, to one of those places and you look up on the map. You know, it could be a shopping center. It could be a park. And they have a map and then they have an arrow going, you are here. You know those ones? And you kind of think, I know I'm here. It's like, why are you telling me I'm here? Just tell me where I need to go. And they're like, you are here. It's important that you know where you are here so you can know how to get from A to B, right? Well, baptism is a sign that tells you where you are right now. When you get married, um, you say vows, don't you? You make promises. They're called covenant promises. Okay, And there's a sign that goes with the promise, and it's called the ring. And you exchange the rings, right? And you hope that you're not so nervous that your fingers haven't swollen up so much that they can't actually get it on, yeah? Which is when you're doing the weddings is one of the things you're worried about. That and if it's a church with grating that the rings are going to fall down in the grates, okay? Those are other things that kind of ministers get really stressed about that we should try not to tell you at the time, okay? Well, when you get married and you make the promises, you exchange rings as a sign, as a reminder of the promise. It, the rings are not the marriage. The rings are a sign of the promises you have made getting married. Okay? Now, the Old Testament are full of promises and signs. Okay? So Noah, God comes to Noah and makes a covenant promise. He says, Noah, I'm never going to flood the earth again. And to show you that's true, I'm going to give you a sign. What's the sign? The rainbow. That's the rainbow. There's a sign that goes with the promise. Well, God comes to Abraham, and Abraham and says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a covenant promise. From you, you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham's thinking, I'm going to get a sign. And he knows about Noah. He knows that Noah got the rainbow, right? 
So Abraham's thinking, I'm going to get a meteor shower. We're going to have a comet going through. We're going to, we're going to have some eclipse. We're going to, and God's like, well, this sign's going to be a little different, Abraham. And if you know the story, the sign given to me is the sign of circumcision. Now, if you don't know what circumcision is, you can whisper quietly to the person next to you and ask them that question. But let's just say it's not as good as the rainbow, okay? The sign given to the Jewish nation that God is going to, they're going to belong to him. This is the sign. And from you is going to be a nation, and they're going to belong to me, God says. And the sign is circumcision. Could you think of something better than circumcision? But it's circumcision. And it was a sign of belonging for the Jewish nation. And God was saying to them, I am cutting you out of all the other nations of the earth to denote that you belong to me. It says something of belonging. Okay? Baptism is the New Testament, the New Covenant, as in thing in what has begun with Jesus. It is the sign of our belonging to him. Not just that I'm going to follow him, but he's saying to me and to you, you are mine. Now here's the thing. Circumcision was signed given to a cultural grouping, the Jewish nation. In other words, in that era, the people of God were a cultural group. You were born into it. So those of us who were not Jewish were not part of that grouping and could not become part of that grouping normally. Now, Baptism is given as a sign that this new people, who God is saying, you are mine, the way in is not through birth, not through a cultural, not to do with your background, simply to do with, I believe in you. In other words, anybody can come. God wants everybody. The door isn't closed to anybody. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what the the kind of guilty secrets you carry. That's why Jesus comes, because he wants to clean you, because he knows of the guilty secrets you carry. And baptism is a sign. Not only are you clean and changed, but baptism is a sign that you belong to him. That's what it's about. So it denotes ownership. It says we belong to him. It tells us where we stand Now, it's a sign about you are here, but it's also a sign about this is where you go. This is a signpost pointing to the future. You see, when we baptize people, we don't just put them in the water. We don't just clean them. We don't just bury them. Fortunately, we pull them back out again. Okay? Now, we pull them back out so that we don't get prosecuted by the police, but also we pull them back out because it signifies... New life. It says something new is happening right now. There is a newness to life. This is what Romans 6 says. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In Ephesians 1, it says that the same power that was at work, that same spirit at work in raising Jesus from the dead is now living in us. In other words, baptism signposts not just we've been cleansed, uh, that we've been buried, that we now belong, but it's saying now there's new life, and this new life begins now, but points right into eternity. 
Baptism conveys signposts where your life is heading. In other words, death is not the end. There is a resurrection life coming. Romans 8 says this, that Jesus is the first fruits of all uh, resurrection. In other words, his resurrection guarantees your resurrection. And baptism signposts the fact that new life starts now and is going to continue into eternity. So it's a symbol and it's a powerful sign about where we are now. You are here, but where you go. But it's also a step. Baptism baptism is a step. It speaks powerfully not just of God's commitment to us, but it also speaks clearly of our promises, our desire, our commitment to him. When we get baptized, we are saying publicly, I will follow you. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? It took me a while to get baptized as a Christian, okay, a few years. It's the first thing Jesus asks us to do. We say to Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I want to be a Christian. I'm going to give my life to you. And then Jesus comes and says, right, be baptized. And we kind of go, I'm not sure. It is a step of saying, I'm going to follow you. And it is public on purpose. Because Jesus is saying, nail your colors to the mast. It's a step of saying, I will follow you. Every significant journey you will ever go on will begin with some kind of step. Right? You have to move in some way. I remember moments when, you know, moments when I first went to school, secondary school. I remember that first day I had to get out of the door. I remember going to university. I remember flying to India. I remember all the things where we've had to kind of go on journeys and they begin with saying to ourselves, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm going to go. I have to take action. I'm not going to be passive. Every journey requires a step. And baptism is a step of saying, I'm going to do something. And as you step into the water, as you come to that place, what you're saying to Jesus is two things. You're saying, I'm admitting something, and I'm hoping in you for something. I'm acknowledging something, and I'm trusting you for something. You see, people were coming to John. When Jesus gets baptized, it says people were coming to John. It was, they were Jews coming to John. This was the Jewish people who had been given the sign of circumcision, who had grown up believing, look, our culture grouping, we're fine. We're God's people, so everything's fine. And yet they start to hear John preaching, and they realize, do you know what? I'm not fine. Things are are not fine. The very thing they had, if you like, depended on, their background, their cultural background, all their life, they suddenly realize, that is not sufficient to make me okay. We can live our lives depending on all sorts of things that we think will somehow make us okay. If I have enough money, if I have a good enough career, if I'm a nice person, all these things hopefully will make my life some kind of success and it will make me feel fulfilled and satisfied. And yet there is a point where you come to Jesus and you go, do you know what? I'm not okay. My life isn't okay. It doesn't work so well trying to do this on my own. I wasn't built to try and work out my life on my own. God doesn't seem to have arranged it that way. You come admitting to him, I need you. That doesn't work without you. I need you to drive. I need you to take the keys of my car. I need to orbit my life around you. I need you to be in charge, Jesus. That's what you come. You come admitting something. 
But you come also trusting him. You come to say to him, I am staking everything I have on you. I'm believing that you are all that you say you are. I'm trusting you for everything. You're saying, as you go into the water, you're saying to him, literally, like, just like you brought Noah in the ark through the flood, just as you brought the people of Israel through the Jordan into the promised land, so I'm believing. As I go in the waters and I come out of the waters, I am trusting you that you will lead me into life. It's a step, and it's a step of saying, I'm admitting and I'm trusting. And people were coming to John to repent, say, it doesn't work, I can't do it. And they were flooding towards him. And as they do this, Jesus steps into the line to be baptized as well. Now, Jesus doesn't step into the line to be baptized because Jesus is a mess. That's not how this works. He's not being baptized for the same reason that you and I are being baptized. Jesus steps into the line for a whole bunch of reasons, but one of the reasons is this. He comes and he identifies with us. Jesus comes to identify with anyone who knows their life doesn't work when they're in charge of it. With anybody who knows they're addicted to lying down in the muddiest pools. With anybody who knows that it's not so great trying to do it on their own. Jesus comes to identify with you. He doesn't just come to identify with you, though. Jesus comes to literally stand in your place. He, he says, I'll take your place. I'll take your shame. I'll take your guilt. I will stand in your place. I will die your death. And Jesus says, actually, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to open up the door for you to come back to God. In fact, Jesus does all of these things, doesn't he? That's why immersion is so powerful as a picture, because it is total I am totally clean. That old life has totally gone. A new life has totally begun. The promise of of one day resurrection life is totally real and complete. That's why it's immersion, because it's total. But there is one thing that Jesus will not do for you and I. See, he does everything else, but there's one thing he won't do for you and I. And that's this. He won't take the step for you. You have to take the step. He doesn't force you. He does everything for you, but you have to take the step. The step can look like different things for different ones of us in a room like this today. For some of us, the step might be this. It might be that you decide that you're going to find out. That you're going to take action. In other words, you're not going to just sit back and kind of like just passively let life take, but you're going to go, do you know what? I'm going to take this seriously. I'm not sure what I think. I'm not sure if I believe the things that everybody is saying they believe, but I am going to find out and I am going to ask questions. And we would encourage you to do that. We'd say, look, come on the Alpha course. Come and find out. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay, but come and find out. For some of you, that's the step. For some of you here today, the step is You're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've never been baptized. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. It might be your church background, it might be embarrassment that you've never been baptized and you're a little older now, whatever it is. But the step is for you, you just think, do you know what, I am not going to allow those things anymore to keep me in my seat. Because Jesus says, be baptized. Make it public. Tell everybody where you stand. And the step for you today might just think, okay, fair enough. I'm owning up. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm not going to make it an excuse anymore. This is my background. This is what's happened. This, is what, this has been my questions, but I'm, I'm, okay, fair enough, God, you got me. And that might be your step. Lastly, this, for some of us today, the step might simply this. You've been on a spiritual journey, right? You've gone from here, and you have got to this place where you think, I think this is real. Jesus, I think you're real, and I think you're all that you say you are. And I want to do that thing where I admit that I need you, and I want to say to you, I trust you. And that might be your step today.